Hey, everybody. Welcome to an emergency safety meeting of the Split Podcast. I am here to talk about Prop 64, specifically to really kind of just go through what's in the voter information guide. And while I was trying to procrastinate this as much as possible, I was thinking, you know, as a voice artist, this would have been a job that I might have looked at. And obviously somebody got paid for this because under the ADA, this has to be an audio, right? Fuck yeah, it is. So I went and I downloaded the audio version of Prop 64's information guide. And while they don't really go through it section by section and go through the actual 32 pages that are there, it seems, they give an analysis, they have the for and the against, and they have some title and summary. It's it's really cool, actually. So I will have the link for that. And if you are in a different state other than California, you should absolutely look into the audio guide for your voter information guide. And that might be a little bit easier of a way to digest it for you. In the meantime, I am ready with a joint of some 707 headband that I got for free as a first-time patient with a new dispensary yesterday. And I think I'm hoping that's perfect because reading this stuff can really give me a fucking headache sometimes. So if I start to feel, you know, the little head pinches, I'm just going to light up and, uh, yeah, hopefully it's good quality. We'll see. You never know when it's already pre-rolled in a joint. You can kind of tell by smell for sure. And this is like, eh. You can tell it's weed. Give it a couple dry tokes. Yeah. It's rolled super tight. So if I just maybe crunch it up a bit... Roll it between the hands, get it a little bit warmer. Maybe I can smell those terpenes a bit better. Oh, yeah. That's a, ooh, that's got a really woodsy, peppery taste to it, which is kind of like an outdoor 707. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. In the meantime, Prop 64, here it is. Basically, this is saying that we have this law. We're going to name it AMA. And what it's going to do is allow adults who are at least 21 years of age to buy their marijuana in a place that we say is cool and that we can make sure is sending us tax money because we're going to tax this too. That's in the drunk history kind of way, in the drunk history kind of style. I'm going to call it, you know, in the stoned history kind of style, the basic concept. Because, as they go to say in the findings and declarations, that while we have medical marijuana, and that's been great and all, we're not really taxing it, but hey, we're going to tax it soon, so that's super great, and we're going to use kind of those same ideas in here so that we can tax this thing for adults to use, because there's been this black market, and the black market is sending all kinds of weed to all kinds of places. They have transnational gangs that are making billions of dollars in these unfounded statements, but which are also technically true because a lot of California's marijuana goes out of the state, apparently. But then here's the thing also, like kids can access it on the black market. So we're going to, that's bad, right? We're going to try and make sure that that doesn't happen. And then we're also going to make sure that the things that sell the marijuana can't be around the kids either. All right. 
because the black market's bad. And you know another bad thing that the black market does is they steal our water and destroy our environment. So what we're going to do is we're going to hold them accountable for that by regulating this and then giving some of the money to law enforcement in order to make sure that they have the resources to stop these guys. Another thing that this is going to do is it's going to clear the courts of these nonviolent drug offenses. By legalizing it, by AMA, we get rid of these felonies while making sure that the really bad offenses are still felonies. And we're going to do that by legalizing it. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to free up all of these resources. And that's great, except it's not going to free up all those resources for like years and years down the line. But we're not going to tell you that part because first, uh, the court system is just going to go crazy with people trying to get out and people being denied, even though they're supposed to get out and then releasing people that shouldn't be getting out. And then also all this law enforcement that's supposed to make sure that these black market people are put aside while there's going to be all these lawsuits going on for people who aren't getting these licenses, but who have been making their living doing this for the last God knows how many years. And that's going to kind of also flood the, the, the courts with, uh, with new offenders. Uh, and it's going to be a few years before this really settles. But yeah, eventually, in the end, it should free up court resources. It goes on to say that, hey, we have thought of everything. This is very comprehensive legislation, and it's going to take effect in the beginning of 2018. We can maybe get licenses done a little bit sooner, but probably, chances are, we're going to be issuing licenses at least by January 2018. And then it goes on to say all of those different places that we were changing the codes to, those different departments, they're all going to have a say and a responsibility in this. Furthermore, we want to make sure that non-medical marijuana has those small mom-and-pop shops invested in it. So we're going to have all kinds of different licenses. We're going to have medium, small, and then micro-business licenses that we're going to do to make sure that no monopolies can happen by large-scale cultivators for at least the first five years, which in my opinion isn't long enough. Uh, But... It does say that businesses that participate in the non-medical marijuana industry should be restricted from having monopolies. Very important. All right, section three, purpose and intent. Basically, AMA is here to oversee the entire marijuana process from seed to sale. Uh, and they say so in in many more words. And they're going to take non-medical marijuana production out of the hands of the illegal market, so they say, and they're going to bring it under a regulatory structure that, in their words, is very strict and very heavy on enforcement. They're going to allow local governments to enforce state laws and regulate and tax on their own, and they're also going to allow local governments to just ban it outright. They're going to create a track and trace system. So that goes back to using resources to create a bureaucratic system. It says that they're going to require non-medical marijuana to be sold in packages that are child resistant and labeled fully. Uh, Businesses that sell marijuana aren't going to be allowed to sell also alcohol or tobacco. It's going to allow places to uh, have imbibing So places that you could go to just smoke your marijuana. 
Oh, snap. Here's a section I haven't read before. Section K of Purpose and Intent. Strengthen the state's existing medical marijuana system by requiring patients to obtain by January 1st, 2018, a new recommendation from their physician that meets the strict standards signed into law by the governor in 2015 and providing new privacy protections for patients who obtain medical marijuana identification cards as set forth in this act. So, okay, I guess that's not too bad. I mean, uh, so it just says that you're going to have to have a new recommendation that actually qualifies for MRSA because that's what was signed into law by the governor in 2015 by 2018, which, I mean, you should have already because you have to renew it every year. So, all right. All right, and then it's going to let adults buy weed, let local places zone it and permit it. It protects employer rights to terminate employees based on their own marijuana policies. It prohibits the consumption of marijuana around children. Uh, It denies marijuana to persons younger than 21 who are not medical marijuana patients. It's going to tax it. It says it generates hundreds of millions of dollars in new state revenue annually for restoring and repairing the environment, youth treatment and prevention, community investment, and law enforcement. I'm pretty sure that community investment is tied strictly to youth programs around the youth treatment and prevention, and then also in regards to regulating the medical marijuana, in regards to regulating the marijuana. I keep saying medical marijuana because I am so trained to do so. It's ridiculous. Okay. Uh, Section W gets me because it says preserve scarce law enforcement resources to prevent and prosecute violent crime, but that's not going to happen for a long time. And, And to me, this just gives cops leeway to go after hot dealers again um we'll see how we'll see how the licensing goes it's supposed to reduce barriers to entry into the legal regulated market according to section x so that is comforting we'll see how it goes it's going to require minors who commit marijuana related offenses to complete drug prevention education or counseling and community service so basically if you are a minor and you get popped with weed you have to go to drug training the equivalent of getting a dui for an adult like you know then you have to go to your alcohol classes and, and so you get that for minors. I don't think that that is a good system for adults, and I don't think it is a good system for minors. It goes through and says that it's going to authorize the courts to resentence people, and it's also going to create an industrial hemp market as an agricultural product, not necessarily as a retail product. And it is still strictly separated from cannabis strains that are higher in THC. So any hemp that is grown with THC will have to be destroyed. The next section is one of the first to have the strikeout, and this is where it redefines what marijuana is. When marijuana was made illegal, it uh, had all of this this particular language where it talks about the cake from the seeds and the things like that that we just don't do anymore, but which were kind of normal place when people actually used hemp on a regular basis. And it redefines it to better tax it. It also redefines what marijuana products are so that it can cover pretty much anything that we make now or could make in the future. Though, I mean, you really can't tell with with, uh, potheads. They're so inventive. 
and goes on to talk about marijuana accessories as they will pertain to the retail market for the child-resistant packaging, for the edibles, uh, not necessarily like, you know, your glass pieces from, from your head shop. Oh, wait, but yes, it does, because it goes on to say smoking, vaporizing, or containing marijuana for ingestion, inhaling, blah, 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 accessories of any kind. So this would affect head shops, too, sounds like. I'm not sure how it's going to go. It's going to change the health and safety code. Now, this section here is one of the sections that would actually go into effect the very day after. So this would be in effect November 9th, where you are able to, if you are 21 years of age or older, regardless of your medical marijuana status, you would be able to possess, process, transport, purchase, obtain, or give away to persons 21 years of age or older without any compensation whatsoever, not more than 25 and a half grams of marijuana, not in the form of concentrated cannabis. If you are over the age of 20 years old, 21 years of age or older, you can have not more than eight grams of marijuana in the form of concentrated cannabis, including as contained in marijuana products. I'm assuming that means edibles. Um, so you could have, I mean, that's a little weird. I don't know if it's supposed to be like, if you get a thousand milligrams of THC that way, I'm assuming that's what they mean. So if you have one candy bar with a thousand milligrams of THC, that would be the equivalent of one gram of concentrate. And it also gives you the right to possess, cultivate, process your own plants, up to six living plants. It gives you the right to grow indoors no matter what. You can grow outdoors unless a local government has outlawed it. And the League of Cities did send out... Uh, kind of their own uh, suggestions for local ordinances to be placed before November 9th so as to prevent being able to grow immediately beforehand or prevent any lawsuits, I'm sure, because it was enacted after people started growing. But if your local place has not put a ban on outdoor cultivation, you can grow November 9th if Prop 64 is passed. And uh, if outdoor cultivation has been illegalized, you can grow in a greenhouse outdoors that is not visible to persons, I believe, from the street and is like totally enclosed. I'm not sure if it has to be locked or not. We'll have to get to that section. Oh, this is also technically the section that gives you the right to smoke marijuana or ingest marijuana to be high. It gives you the right to be high. And it protects your shit from seizure. Oh, yeah. And there it is in section two that says that it has to be locked if it's in an outdoor garden area. So if you want to grow outside, you have to make sure that you have a lock somewhere that you can point to if uh, they're trying to get to your stuff. You have to make sure that people can't easily just walk and grab your things. Now, it also has a caveat to say that, hey, if, like, it's fucking hell on earth and shit goes crazy and the federal law says weed is legal, then all of that doesn't matter. And weed is legal. So, once again, federal law will preempt this if it agrees more with us. All right. In the next section, it talks about being within a thousand feet of a school that you can't smoke uh, any weed within a thousand feet of a school or daycare or things like that. So I'm not sure where the 600 feet to the 1000 feet changes, but maybe I will get it when I listen back. All right. 
moving on, this will keep you from being able to have an open container or an open package while driving, operating, or riding in a car, boat, basically any operating vehicle. Um, even as a passenger, you can't have an open container. So if you're used to riding around with your baggie in your purse, you would now have to put that into the trunk like you would if you had an open container. It's basically an open container. And remember, they're going to be using a large portion of these tax revenues to start busting people for DUIs, just specifically to weed. All right, blah, 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 lots of stuff. We're defining all of these things and terms that we used in order to make it real clear. Um, and I don't think there's anything that really jumps out. You know, smoke is smoking and volatile solvents has a large list of volatile solvents. But for the record, this does include your isopropyl alcohol. And uh, does that does it include ethanol alcohol? Doesn't seem to include ethanol alcohol. What the fuck is trichloroethylene? That's the only thing close that I can think of. Uh, so you could use, you could grow your own cannabis and then use grain alcohol to make your own RSO. But Quiso, what's colloquially known as Quiso, would no longer be legal. Oh, uh, and then it also talks about some of the the penalties for infracting upon any of these and it refers back to section one under 11362.3a which does make it illegal to smoke in any public place whatsoever so by licensing clubs that will allow you a place to smoke at if you are not in view of anyone who is under the years of 21 uh, you are no longer allowed to smoke in public now i don't think that this supersedes the medical marijuana thing i honestly don't know and it doesn't really seem to be clear i have to check to see if that is a right that's protected under MRSA first uh check this week's stoner moments oh my god what are my neighbors doing hopefully moving out shit so this is a really big thing for me too um i don't think that smoking in public should be completely outlawed that's just me. I still will have my medical marijuana uh, recommendation, so it might be protected. This is a really important part to me. You know, I'm just going to look it up right now. All right. So since SB 420 bars medical marijuana smoking within a thousand feet of bars, parks, schools, and Prop 64 does not is not supposed to infringe on anything that is previously granted... I believe if you are a medical marijuana patient, you should still be able to smoke in all the places that you are currently allowed to, I believe. Now, if you are guilty of an infraction and you are an adult over the age of 18, you will have a fine. Up to $250 seems to be the most fine. Now, if you are under 18, you will be required to complete four hours of drug education or counseling and up to 20 hours of community service within 90 days. And that is mandatory unless the judge deems that it is not. Oh, and this is important. It does say in section two that the drug education program required by this section for persons under the age of 18 must be free to participants and provide at least four hours of group discussion or instruction 
based on science and evidence-based principles and practices specific to the use and abuse of marijuana and other controlled substances. But really what they're talking about there is marijuana. It is good to know that we aren't going to be imposing all of these fees on our youth, but I do think it says something that we have allocated the majority of the budget to programs just like this in anticipation. Uh, but we haven't gotten there yet, but moving forward. Then it goes on to say some stuff that uh, it's not going to change anything. It's not going to preempt uh, or override anything that says that it's illegal to use marijuana in a bunch of these places. And this is the part that really bothers me, uh, that uh, that employers have their right to maintain a drug and alcohol-free workplace and that they're the laws that say that it would constitute negligence or professional malpractice to undertake any task while impaired from smoking or ingesting marijuana or marijuana products. Now, I would think that that just refers to people who have safety-sensitive positions. Um, I'm hoping that is what it pertains to and not that it pertains to the average everyday employee. It says that it'll still allow local governments to do whatever they want and have their own agency. And then it says that it would not change things in that were granted in the Compassionate Use Act of 1996. But it does say that commencing January 1st, 2018, a patient must have a qualifying physician's recommendation. That it does then uh, set the bureaucracy of having a health department that would issue identification cards as of January 1st, 2018. And the money that they're going to get from that is going to be pulled from the general fund initially, just so you know, spoiler alert, but we'll, we'll get there. It sets up HIPAA rights for that system. So all of your identifying information will be protected. It grants, uh, it sets the amount of money at $100. It says that it'll be free for Medi-Cal patients who are under 18. It'll be reduced cost for Medi-Cal patients. And I believe it gives the marijuana board that it sets up the right to reevaluate that fee and reduce it if necessary. Oh, and I will say that while it, there is the HIPAA restriction on the identifying information, law enforcement can make a request and other requests can be made and you have to be made aware of those requests. So within 24 hours, they have to send you something in writing. But there's not supposed to be a database that's actually set up to hold all of that identifying information. Like a cop can't look at your card and then go to a system and know everything about you. Uh, they'll just have to scan your ID for that. What your card will say is whether or not it is viable. But this new system will supersede the old system that was set up, which I think is like $300 in order to get your card. So that's why you're going to see more strikeout information. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, they. Uh... And then this system is one of the things that will be funded and reimbursed by uh, the general fund. The, I should say the marijuana fund that is going to be created by the taxation if those fees don't pay for themselves. Now, this part uh, is my favorite part, section 5.4, section 11362.84 adds to the health and safety code, the status and conduct of a qualified patient who acts in accordance with the Compassionate Use Act shall not by itself 
be used to restrict or abridge custodial or parental rights to minor children in any action or proceeding under the jurisdiction of family or juvenile court. That's fantastic, isn't it? What I really want to know is why is that limited only to medical marijuana patients? Why are we legalizing weed and then telling people that they have to have a medical card in order to also be parents and consume the same product? Isn't that, I mean, like you don't, you don't have to have a card in order to get a beer and have children. I'm a little confused by this. But according to this wording, in order to enjoy your weed and have children, you still need to have your medical marijuana patient card before CPS will say, all right, you're cool. The next part, Division 10, goes on to talk about and define all of the different things having to do with marijuana and the business that's going to be set up. It talks about things like the different kinds of marijuana that are going to be there, uh, the different uh, means of receiving it, transportation. It talks a lot about the community involvement that's going to take place with uh, the youth and daycare centers. It talks about testing services and the requirements that are set forth before marijuana can actually be in the retail market, how it has to be tested. But mostly it's a little dictionary entry. All right, chapter two, and we have so much to go. So chapter two basically talks about the administration setting up this bureaucracy. It will rename the Bureau of Medical Marijuana Regulation. So it kind of does take over MRSA in that sense and creates a bigger bureaucracy that it renames the Bureau of Marijuana Control. Uh, I guess medical marijuana would fall under one of the responsibilities of marijuana control. It says that uh, the people who work for this bureau aren't going to use it as their piggy bank uh, or use it as a way to manipulate power within the market. Good luck with that. And it sets forth ways to begin to distribute the licenses. This is where they really work on trying to secure the micro-businesses, licenses, and uh, where they put the five-year kibosh on allowing large companies, but they don't set a limit on how many licenses they will actually put out there. Um, it should be more than one because it's anti-monopoly. Uh I think I'm going to let most of that be from the analysis lady, just so you know. But it sets up a lot of responsibilities and things that the Bureau is going to have that is going to pull from the fund that it will create in order to regulate and relook at itself and re-manipulate what it needs to do. So a lot of the funds are going to go back into creating a better Bureau, ideally. All right, yada, 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 more powers, more enforcement. It gives them the right to appeal and have an appeals process and sets up how the process of appeals is going to go. Oh, and here's an interesting part I almost skipped over too. Uh, if you are currently involved in the black market, uh, a person engaging in commercial marijuana activity without a license is going to be subject to penalties that are three times what that license would cost. So if you are on small scale, your license would be micro business. If you are on a bigger scale and are used to flip in lots of weed, then you would uh, have to be three times the bigger penalty. That penalty money would end up repaying the cost uh, to prosecute you 
whatever's left over would go to the general fund. So the prosecution of offenders is the only money that'll actually go towards the general fund that I've seen so far. So let's talk about those licensings. Chapter five, there are a minimum of 19 different types of licenses that are guaranteed. Most of those are for cultivation, up to 13 for cultivation, two for manufacturing, one for testing, one if you're a retailer, one if you're a distributor, and then type 12 micro business. I'm not entirely sure what that means. It goes on to say that as they figure these things out, there can be some provisional licenses that are going to be sent out that will be for less than a year. And that some of the factors that they should consider are whether or not they're going to be danger to the children, save the children, and the concentration level of marijuana shops in comparison to the market. So that could have some some issues depending on how many places are actually going to ban uh, recreational marijuana or adult use marijuana and compared to those places that will allow it and are going to depend on that kind of money. It also tends to concentrate the black market operations. Uh, let's see here. Furthermore, it goes on to say that they're going to put into place practices which would prevent undercutting of other businesses. So once they do allow big business to come in, big business can't just take a bunch of losses and start giving their product away in order to make their name because they can afford it and therefore push out a bunch of mom and pops. Uh, they have to, to have better business practices than that. It prevents licensees from also being licensed as a retailer of alcoholic beverages or tobacco products. So I hope that uh, gives some people who are worried about big tobacco moving in and just taking over it does seem to, to put an X nay on that. That's good to know. Oh, and then a little more clarification on the 600 versus 1,000 foot difference. Licensees have a restriction on 600 feet. So you might be able to grow or sell your marijuana within 600 feet of a school. But once you buy that marijuana, you can't then go and toke it up. I guess is what they're saying. No, because I thought you couldn't possess it within a thousand feet either, because public use is illegal if this goes through. I gotta go back and figure that part out. No, but I got confused. It's just smoke. So you can buy it with 600 feet, you just can't smoke it within a thousand feet. All right. And then it keeps going on about how to run a business and what you have to do in order to be a licensee and. And you have to have good inventory control and things like that. I, as the consumer, am not super interested in this part. So I'm just going to keep reading until I find something interesting to bring to you. But there is a lot about good business practices that has gone into this. It does have, oh, uh, I will say there are sections that limit who can apply for a license based on their criminal history. You can't like have had embezzlement and things like that. Um, there are a lot of felonies that are listed, drug trafficking felonies with minors involved. I just am not familiar enough with the penal code. Um, it doesn't seem like if you just have a minor, especially if you are able to get the sentence reduced or changed somehow in future sections of Prop 64, um, 
if you would still be eligible for a license, but it does seem to set up some sort of reasonable prior conviction leeway. So that seems nice. Oh, this is a fun thing right here. It says that marijuana should not be marketed, labeled, or sold as grown in a California county where the marijuana was not grown in that county. So you can't claim Humboldt weed unless it was actually grown in Humboldt. So that's interesting. I see Humboldt written all over that. And a little Santa Cruz, too. Oh, it also allows the Bureau, I see here, to create a nonprofit sector uh, with a cap of $2 million for their company, which is really nice because a lot of places around here claim to be nonprofits and they are not registered. They don't hold themselves to the standards of a nonprofit whatsoever. So it's nice to see that those who have actually been functioning as a nonprofit won't have to necessarily change what they've been doing. Chapter 8 allows for you to drive with marijuana in your car, whether you are delivering it for somebody else or whether you are carrying it for your own person. You still have to not have an open container in the driver or passenger seats. You would have to put it in your trunk or a locked place. Uh, and, and then it explicitly reminds you that you're not allowed to take it over state lines. Chapter 9 talks about delivery. Basically, even if deliveries are made illegal where you live, somebody who's delivering to a place where it is legal can't be stopped and have their stuff confiscated. And then another thing it says is that a customer requesting delivery shall maintain a physical or electronic copy of the delivery request. Um, I probably should have read the definition section, the dictionary part, to see if they define customer, because I'm not sure if that means retail customer too, or if that's just in the industry chain, you know, like you would have a PO and a sales order, um, but probably you would still need to carry your receipt if you make a delivery request. Section 10 sets up manufacture and testing. This is where it says that no marijuana is going to be sold unless it's tested first. And then it sets forth all the things for which it must be tested, including cannabinoid content, terpenes within a reasonable level, and uh, different uh, adulterants, different uh, fertilizers, chemicals, and poisons that you don't want in there. Chapter 11 says that they will guarantee quality assurance, inspection, and testing. I'm really excited about that. If I could have a different job where I had to, like, go back to an office every day, I'm pretty sure I want to be a weed inspector. Yeah. It refers back to section 19326, which might be a an older section of the health and safety codes. It doesn't seem to have specific or to set specific standards for marijuana. Just kidding. It says it next. Chapter 12, packaging and labeling. It does say that anything that has marijuana in it that is meant for adult use has to be labeled in all caps. Government warning. This package contains marijuana, a Schedule One controlled substance. Keep out of reach of children and animals. Marijuana may only be possessed or consumed by persons 21 years of age or older, unless the person is a qualified patient. Marijuana use while pregnant or breastfeeding may be harmful. Consumption of marijuana impairs your ability to drive and operate machinery. Please use extreme caution. That one was for marijuana. Marijuana products should have government warning. 
This product contains marijuana, a Schedule One controlled substance. Keep out of reach of children and animals. Marijuana products may only be possessed or consumed by persons 21 years of age or older, unless the person is a qualified patient. The intoxicating effects of marijuana products may be delayed up to two hours. Marijuana use while pregnant or breastfeeding may be harmful. Consumption of marijuana products impairs your ability to drive and operate machinery. Please use extreme caution. Marijuana and marijuana products may not be harmful to you while pregnant and breastfeeding, just so you know, they may actually be quite beneficial. It'll also have the source of the marijuana, the day of the cultivation. It'll contain a bunch of information like its weight, things like that. Uh, its active ingredients. It'll list any solvents or herbicides that were used. It has to say the, the chemicals. It has to give you that nut warning, of course, because we're throwing this in public health and safety codes. Gotta warn about them nuts. Chapter 13 goes on to say that no marijuana products can be appealing to children. So marijuana products, I'm assuming being more in the edibles range because it talks about commercially sold candy or foods uh, cannot be easily confused. So you have to use generic names. You can't uh, go and try and rip on somebody's branding like uh, so many others have done. All cannabis edibles have to be produced in a serving size not to exceed 10 milligrams. So now all of the muffins are going to have to be 10 milligrams, or you're going to have to get a bunch of mini muffins that are made to 10 milligrams, and then let you know that the individual serving size is one muffin. If you have a candy bar, it has to be scored to 10 milligram dosages. It has to be homogenized in order to give you those 10 milligram dosage effectively. And then it goes on to say that marijuana in and of itself, even if it's concentrated, is not considered an adulterant any longer, but an actual ingredient. All right, now that we know what we're dealing with here, let's talk about chapter 14, protection of minors. Save the children. So it says that you can't sell it to anyone who is under the age of 21 years or give it away to them. But it does give police officers the right to set up stings and use actual minors in those stings. And then it reiterates that if the minor person is a card-holding, state card-holding medical patient, that they uh, are not in violation of the section. But if you are going to be 18 to 20, and the paper recommendation is not going to be enough for you, even if it is enough for people who are over 21 years of age, 21 years of age or older, I should say, even if we are allowed to have our paper recommendation and still be medical marijuana qualifying patients, then you would not. In order to get medical marijuana in order to keep your medical marijuana without risk of infraction by law enforcement, you have to have your state-issued ID card. Chapter 15 goes on to talk about advertising and marketing restrictions. It defines a lot of the things that could be considered advertising from the packaging materials themselves to advertisements in print and radio broadcast. It limits the kinds of advertisements that can be placed by making sure that no advertising can be done around schools or daycare centers. 
And it also says that no advertising can be done around freeways and highways that share or that cross state borders. So like no 101 because that goes into other states. No billboards for you. The next few chapters talk about tracing, tracking, uh, reporting to the BOE, keeping your records. You have to have your invoices and uh, sales recorded and easily acceptable to the Board of Equalization, something that most gun retailers don't have to do outside of the state of California because the forefathers totally protected your right to have guns in Amendment 2, not your right to get high. The lack of foresight. I thought they were smart. This section also talks about the fact that certain government agencies are allowed to set up fees in in order to cover the cost of the regulation that goes into it in these these reporting and track and tracing. Uh, I would think that that would be something that should be covered by the Marijuana Control Fund, but it seems that some of it is going to be covered by the Marijuana Control Fund, but not really a lot of it, and it just gives different places the right to to create their own fees as needed. And even though the next thing, well, I shouldn't say the next thing because then it talks about local control, uh, but then it talks about funding and says that this fund is supposed to cover all of the regulatory activities under this division. But then I guess too, if local places are establishing their own fees and well, no, that was just the medical program. I don't know if local licensing places are going to get reimbursed If it doesn't cover, I think they just have to redo their fees. Hmm. Taxes. I think I'm ready for that headband, yo. I'm surprised it took me this long. But we're only like halfway through. But this is just about the right place for it, too. Because then it goes on to talk about the the fees for uh, creating the, the regulatory systems to watch the environment and make sure that marijuana agriculture isn't destroying a lot of stuff. It goes on to talk about how marijuana is going to be taxed. And I do know for sure that that is part of the analysis and it's dry and it goes into it pretty easily. So that's something that you'll hear after I'm done talking. Let's see here. What else have we got? I know we've all been waiting to see the quality of this joint, too. 707 headband. Uh, in this tax section, I would say that uh, it does explicitly exclude medical marijuana. And it says that it would take place on January 1st, 2018. So if we legalize, we'll officially start collecting revenue then. Before then, we borrow $5 million from the general fund and then we pay it back as we can. There are certain times when the board can readjust the tax rates for inflation, but there are other things that they cannot do, and I think that gets talked about in the analysis as well, how they can can recalculate different taxes. And uh, for the record, this joint, not great, already went out on me, rolled too tightly. Uh, but very expansive, not tasty, probably mostly trim. Yeah. I guess if this were legal weed, they'd have to tell me what's in it. <laughs> legal weed? I shouldn't say legal weed. It is legal weed. I've got my card. Just not adult use weed. 
Luckily, I was using it for my headache because this stuff is irritating. All right, so let's see here. It goes on to say that uh, the board can license all these different things. The board has the right to inspect uh, these places that they have licensed, the right to uh, create an excise tax uh, on the cultivation and retail sale. And it also gives them the right to inspect any place that they think marijuana isn't actually licensed and paying taxes on. It seems like they're just kind of referring to the commercial area, but it could also go back again to that whole drug war thing of really cracking down on the black market. So if uh, you know a guy who who makes some money helping you out every now and then, they're not going to let him undercut the retail market with those business practices either, just so you know. And then it goes on to say specifically that any monies made by this are to not go to the general fund or considered at all applicable to the general fund or available to the general fund. And I believe that is something that cannot be changed for at least 10 years from the date it is effective. As it states clearly, notwithstanding any other law, the California Marijuana Tax Fund is a special trust fund established solely to carry out the purposes of the Control, Regulate, and Tax Adult Use of Marijuana Act and all revenues deposited into the tax fund, together with interest or dividends earned by the fund, are hereby continuously appropriated for the purposes of the Control, Regulate, and Tax Adult Use of Marijuana Act without regard to fiscal year, and shall be expended only in accordance with the provisions of this part and its purposes. All right, so now we talk about how it gets dispersed. So this is the part where I really can't get behind as we move into how this money is being allocated. Administration of the board for the collection and their part is not supposed to exceed 4%. 4% of the overall tax revenue. So what's 4% of a billion dollars? $40 million? It goes on to say that it's going to pay back all of these different departments that it mentioned in the very beginning and their expenses in their part for handling this. I'm not sure how that differs from them setting up their own fees and license structures. Maybe that's just around licensing. I have no fucking idea. But I guess they're tidying up those loopholes. And then it goes on to say that the rest of it, the controller shall next disperse the sum of $10 million to a public university or universities in California annually, beginning with fiscal year 2018-2019 until fiscal year 2028-2029 to research and evaluate the implementation and effect of the Control, Regulate, and Tax Adult Use of Marijuana Act. So they're going to give them $10 million just to study how this affects California and Californians. Totally fine. Uh, $10 million every year for the next 10 years. I think that's great. And they have to make those findings at every two years minimum available to the public. And then it goes on to say all of the different reasons, all the different things that they want actually studied. Uh, the impact on public health, the treatment for maladaptive marijuana use, and the effectiveness of different treatment programs. Marijuana use rates, maladaptive use rates for adults and youth, and diagnosis rates of marijuana-related substance abuse disorders. 
Then it goes on to talk about market prices, illicit market prices, how the market is doing, the economic impacts, regulatory agencies and their efficacy, the environmental issues, uh, geographic locations and how that affects different businesses and the demographic of that area. And the outcomes that were achieved uh, in the the justice system, uh, how how that has affected our justice system. Most of those are good things. Oh, crap, I can't even smoke this joint anymore. It doesn't even work. I just need to go get myself a bong load. Well, let's see here. Next, the controller shall disperse to the sum of $3 million annually to the Department of California Highway Patrol over a period of four years to establish and adopt protocols to determine whether a driver is operating a vehicle while impaired, including impairment by the use of marijuana and or marijuana products, and to set forth the best practices to, to assist law enforcement in that area. So specifically just to work around the impaired driving that they anticipate from this because marijuana hasn't been in use for 20 years beforehand. Now all of a sudden, because it's legal, you assholes are going to go out there and drive like you're fucking morons. Who gives these people drugs? Next, the controller is going to give $10 million over the next four years, increasing in money each year to uh, give... Oh, up to $50 million uh, each year thereafter, after four four years, to reinvest in community grants programs, support job placement, mental health treatment, and substance use disorder treatment, system navigation services, legal services to address barriers to reentry, and leakages to medical care for communities disproportionately affected by past federal and state drug policies. That seems really vague and all too vague at the same time. It's obviously going to go towards the whole mental health and drug abuse thing again. Um, But I do like the part where it addresses communities that have been disproportionately affected. Uh, I just don't necessarily know how much I like where it's directing those funds. It does cap the administrative cost to 4% if that is important to you. Next, the controller will give $2 million annually to the University of California San Diego Center for Medicinal Cannabis Research so that they can further look into understanding the effects of marijuana as a pharmacological agent, both the good effects and the adverse effects, because, of course, drug war... And then after those particular things have been paid for, 60% is going to be deposited into the Youth Education Prevention Early Intervention and Treatment Account and dispersed by the controller to the State Department of Healthcare Services for programs for youth that are designed to educate about and to prevent substance abuse disorders and to prevent harm from substance abuse. A giant D.A.R.E. program and this program that they are going to be sending minors to when they bust them for these infractions. Not the best use of our funds, as far as I'm concerned, yet alone a huge portion of our funds. And then it goes on to further explain specifically what this money is supposed to go towards. Towards the prevention and early intervention services, 
It gives a whole list of different kinds of places and does allow faith-based organizations into it as well. Uh, It does give grants to schools to develop and support students' assistance programs, and that doesn't seem to be connected in any way with marijuana abuse or marijuana education or drug education. Um, It gives program, but then right after it grants programs for outreach for out-of-school youth with substance use disorders, and everything else after that is connected to something about substance abuse substance abuse, going to the extent of including the parents into the substance abuse education. Uh, It talks about evaluating the program to determine its efficacy. And then if it ever finds that uh, the funds are in excess of the demand for youth prevention and treatment services, that those funds shall be used to provide a plan to the Department of Finance to provide treatment services to adults as well as youth with these funds. So it's not like we're going to be paying more money back into the general fund. And it specifically says that it's going to seek out input from people who treat addiction, uh, which kind of is bothersome to me because the drug abuse people do not like marijuana and they don't understand it, I feel. They are not open to understanding it, I feel. The next 20% gets allocated to Environmental Restoration and Protection Account, which I'm totally all all for. The Department of Fish and Wildlife needs funds to assist with uh, the diversion of water, uh, to go for the littering and, and ruining of national parks that goes on when people are illegally growing in the national parks. Totally all for that one. I don't see anything that was like, hey, no, actually, they're tricking you. But then the next 20% is going to be deposited into the state and local government law enforcement account and dispersed by the controller to help educate the California Highway Patrol uh, in programs for detecting, testing, and enforcing laws against driving under the influence of alcohol and other drugs, including driving under the influence of marijuana. The department may hire personnel to conduct the training programs specified in the subparagraph, blah, blah, blah. Now, there is a part in here, though, that is very interesting. The board shall not make any grants to local governments which have banned the cultivation, including personal cultivation, under paragraph 3 of subdivision B of section 11362.2 of the Health and Safety Code, or the sale of retail marijuana either. So if they just full-on outright ban the retail sale of marijuana and marijuana products, They don't get any of that money to create that educated law enforcement behind them, which is kind of, I mean, it's supposed to be an incentive for different localities to be able to operate uh, retail marijuana. But it also means if you don't have retail marijuana, you don't need a fire department that is specifically trained in how to inspect a marijuana operation either. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, But it locks it in at a beginning $10 million annually up to a minimum $40 annually. And it locks that in for 10 more years. And I'm a little confused because it talks about subdivisions D and F that I can't find. Like it starts with G and what I think it ended with B. I whatever. Anywho, let's move on to the next chapter. Or section, I should say. Our next section is the criminal offenses, records, and resentencing area, 
where they redefine cannabis once again with the strikeout and also redefine what is authorized for possession. Not more than 28 and a half grams of marijuana or not more than four grams of concentrated cannabis uh, is going to be treated as such. So persons under the age of 18 will be guilty of an infraction, will be required to go to drug education and perform community service. For their first offense, their second offense would be up to 20 hours of community service and six hours of drug education because the first four totally worked. And persons of at least 18 years of age but less than 21 years of age shall be guilty of an infraction and punishable by a fine of not more than $100. So nothing very serious up to an ounce of flour and four grams of concentrate up to that point. If you have more than that, then, and you are under 18, you get even more drug education and more community service, up to 60 hours and 10 hours of drug education, depending on how many infractions you've actually had on your record. Persons 18 to 20 who have more than an ounce of marijuana on them or four grams of concentrate or both shall be imprisoned in the county jail for not more than six months or a fine of not more than $500 or by both. You can be imprisoned and fined. I'm definitely not for this section. And then it goes on to say that if you're over 18, uh, but less than 21, and you're doing these things on a school or area where children are, then you can be jailed for up to 10 days if it's not your first offense. If you are growing it and you are in the 18 to 20 year range, you can also be imprisoned up to six months. If you are under 18, it's an infraction. Excuse me, that was for more than six plants. If it's within the six plants allowed, then it's an infraction and a fine. And then it goes through and gives a bunch of uh, ways that you can still be incarcerated or convicted of more egregious offenses in different areas. Like if you're out there and you're cultivating more than six plants in a national park or in a state park, then you, uh, you would also be eligible for having committed all of these other crimes. Then it goes on to talk about uh, possession for sale and what would happen with that. I think currently right now it's two years in prison and that would be brought down to six months and a fine of $500 for anyone over 18, thereby freeing up some of that court thing that they were talking about in the future. And then if it's uh, a continuing problem, if you have other drug convictions and things like that, it allows you to be convicted more harshly. And it goes on to say that there are ways to... Uh, commit crimes with this even if uh, you're just giving it away so if you are transporting it or giving it away and uh, it's more than the allowed limit it talks about how you can be punished for that and it goes back to the $500 fine and six months in prison unless you have multiple convictions or other other factors that go into it now, if you give away uh, or are transporting illegally less than that, you get the infraction and a fine of up to 
And they are talking just transportation for sale in that particular. So if you're still an adult who bought weed, you can still drive with it, uh, especially if it's less than an ounce. But if it looks like you were about to sell it, that would have been your punishment. There's a section in here that allows for the destruction of arrest and conviction records for people who were convicted under the age of 18 and over the age of 18 after 1976 who would be able to be not guilty under the current laws. It gives a, a way for them to file. It sets a fee of $37.50 for the completed application. Uh, and it talks about a few different exceptions for how to get through that. Again, you know, if you had other drugs or violence involved, you would be ineligible. Or if you were accused of selling at a school, uh, I believe you are also ineligible. All right, and I think this brings us to our final part, which is the part that legalizes industrial hemp. This would continue to separate hemp from marijuana based solely on THC level. Uh, one of the things that I don't care for is the fact that it does seem to to favor the use of uh, flour for the CBD oil as opposed to using hemp as an agricultural product. Uh, another thing is that it does not allow for the use of ornamental or personal hemp for cultivation. So you can't just have a cannabis plant because you want to have a cannabis plant and use it as hemp and not actually flower it. Uh, this is only allowed on an industrial level. That's not really legalization to me. It's not less than one-tenth of an acre. It has to be densely grown together. So you have to maximize its growth, and it can't be less than a tenth of an acre. And then it goes through and says that everything has to be tested, of course, because God forbid you put any THC in it. And it strikes out the parts of the law that uh, would... And in incarceration because of any kind of cannabis leaf being grown. And in order to close it out, they just close up a couple loopholes where they say that with a two-thirds vote of anything other than what is expressly stated, the legislature may actually amend this act. So it doesn't have to be a voter thing like they ran into with Prop 215. Our representatives could technically go through and make amendments and uh, and it just kind of closes up a little a little a few other things too where if there were competing measurements the one who was most popular would win and that if anything in this initiative is taken to court it wouldn't strike out the entire proposition it would only if seen to be unconstitutional strike out the affected portions all right, you guys. Well, I hope that my political ramblings helped you a little bit in being able to decide whether or not you are going to vote for or against Prop 64. I already have my uh, mind pretty much made up, though this definitely helped me realize that I do support more of the bill than I initially thought. Um, I just don't support enough of it. So, yeah. Now I'm going to put on the available audio track that is the analysis to cover all of those things that I missed in a much drier way. Remember, you can go and find all the rest of it through the California Board of Governors website. 
All I had to do was Google literally voter information audio California, and it popped up really easily. They have all of the initiatives in there, all of the propositions. So yeah, you can easily get caught up without having to read through it. It doesn't have everything. You should definitely still try and flip through it, but very informative and helpful. Here she is. Analysis by the legislative analyst. Background. State marijuana laws. Marijuana generally illegal under state law. Under current state law, it is generally illegal to possess or use marijuana. Please see the nearby box for detailed information on how marijuana is used. Penalties for marijuana-related activities vary depending on the offense. For example, possession of less than one ounce of marijuana, the equivalent of roughly 40 marijuana cigarettes, also known as, quote, joints, end quote, is punishable by a fine, while selling or growing marijuana may result in a jail or prison sentence. Proposition 215 legalized medical marijuana. In 1996, voters approved Proposition 215, which made it legal under state law for individuals of any age to use marijuana in California for medical purposes. Individuals must have a recommendation from a doctor to use medical marijuana. In 2003, the legislature legalized medical marijuana collectives, which are nonprofit organizations that grow and provide marijuana to their members. Collectives are not now licensed or regulated by the state, but cities and counties can regulate where and how medical marijuana is grown and sold by individuals or collectives. How do individuals use marijuana? Smoking. The most common way individuals use marijuana is by smoking it. Typically, users smoke the dried flowers of the marijuana plant. Dried marijuana leaves can also be smoked, but this is rare because leaves contain only small amounts of tetrahydrocannabinol, THC, which is the ingredient in marijuana that produces a, quote, high, end quote. Marijuana leaves, flowers, and stalks can also be processed into concentrated marijuana and smoked. Examples of concentrated marijuana include hash and hash oil. Concentrated marijuana is much stronger than dried marijuana, often containing five to ten times the THC levels found in dried marijuana flowers. Vaporizing. Some users consume marijuana with devices called vaporizers. A vaporizer heats up dried marijuana or concentrated marijuana, but does not burn it. This heating process creates a gas containing THC that is inhaled. Eating. Marijuana can also be added to food. Edible marijuana products are typically made by adding THC from the plant into ingredients like butter or oil that are used to prepare foods such as brownies, cookies, or chocolate bars. Other methods. Other less common ways of using marijuana include drinking beverages infused with marijuana and rubbing marijuana-infused lotions on the skin. State currently adopting new medical marijuana regulations. Recently, new state laws were adopted to begin regulating medical marijuana. As shown in Figure 1, a new Bureau of Medical Cannabis Regulation and other state agencies are responsible for this regulation. The new laws require the state to set standards for labeling, testing, and packaging medical marijuana products and to develop a system to track such products from production to sale. Currently, these regulations are being developed by the different regulatory agencies. Under the new laws, medical marijuana collectives must be closed within a few years and replaced by state-licensed businesses. Local governments will continue to have the ability to regulate where and how medical marijuana businesses operate. Figure 1. 
medical marijuana industry to be regulated by multiple state agencies, regulatory agency, Bureau of Medical Cannabis Regulation, primary responsibilities, licensed medical marijuana distributors, transporters, testing facilities, and retailers, regulatory agency, Department of Food and Agriculture, primary responsibilities, license and regulate medical marijuana growers, regulatory agency, Department of Public Health, primary responsibilities, license and regulate producers of edible marijuana products, regulatory agency, State Water Resources Control Board, primary responsibilities, regulate the environmental impacts of marijuana growing on water quality, regulatory agency, Department of Fish and Wildlife, primary responsibilities, regulate environmental impacts of marijuana growing. Regulatory Agency, Department of Pesticide Regulation, primary responsibilities, regulate pesticide use for growing marijuana. Taxes on medical marijuana. State and local governments currently collect sales tax on medical marijuana. A small number of cities also impose additional taxes specifically on medical marijuana. The total amount of state and local taxes collected on medical marijuana likely is several tens of millions of dollars annually. Federal Marijuana Laws Under federal law, it is illegal to possess or use marijuana, including for medical use. The U.S. Supreme Court ruled in 2005 that federal agencies could continue under federal law to prosecute individuals who possess or use marijuana for medical purposes, even if legal under a state's law. Currently, however, the U.S. Department of Justice, DOJ, chooses not to prosecute most marijuana users and businesses that follow state and local marijuana laws if those laws are consistent with federal priorities. These priorities include preventing minors from using marijuana and preventing marijuana from being taken to other states. Proposal. This measure, one, legalizes adult non-medical use of marijuana, two, creates a system for regulating non-medical marijuana businesses, three, imposes taxes on marijuana, and four, changes penalties for marijuana-related crimes. These changes are described below. Legalization of adult non-medical use of marijuana. Personal use of non-medical marijuana. This measure changes state law to legalize the use of marijuana for non-medical purposes by adults age 21 and over. Figure 2 summarizes what activities would be allowable under the measure. These activities would remain illegal for individuals under the age of 21. Figure 2. Proposition 64 legalizes non-medical marijuana activities with restrictions. Activity smoking marijuana. Activities allowed under the measure. Smoking marijuana in a private home or at a business licensed for on-site marijuana consumption. Activities not allowed under the measure. Smoking marijuana, one, while driving a car, two, in any public place other than at a business licensed for on-site consumption, or three, anywhere that smoking tobacco is prohibited. Activity, possessing marijuana for personal use. Activities allowed under the measure. Possession of up to 28.5 grams, about one ounce, of marijuana and up to eight grams of concentrated marijuana, such as hash. Activities not allowed under the measure. Possession of marijuana on the grounds of a school, daycare center, or youth center while children are present. Activity, growing marijuana. Activities allowed under the measure. 
growing up to six marijuana plants and keeping the marijuana produced by the plants within a private home, activities not allowed under the measure, growing in an area that is unlocked or visible from a public place. Activity, giving away marijuana, activities allowed under the measure, giving away to other adults up to 28.5 grams of marijuana and up to eight grams of concentrated marijuana, activities not allowed under the measure, providing marijuana to minors under the age of 21 for non-medical use. Purchasing marijuana. Under the measure, adults age 21 and over would be able to purchase marijuana at state-licensed businesses or through their delivery services. Businesses could generally not be located within 600 feet of a school, daycare center, or youth center unless allowed by a local government. In addition, businesses selling marijuana could not sell tobacco or alcohol. Under the measure, local governments could authorize licensed businesses to allow on-site consumption of marijuana. However, such businesses could not allow consumption in areas within the presence or sight of individuals under the age of 21 or areas visible from a public place. In addition, businesses allowing on-site marijuana consumption could not allow consumption of alcohol or tobacco. Regulation of Non-Medical Marijuana Businesses State Regulation of Non-Medical Marijuana Businesses This measure changes the name of the Bureau of Medical Cannabis Regulation to the Bureau of Marijuana Control and makes it also responsible for regulating and licensing non-medical marijuana businesses. In addition, the measure requires other state agencies to regulate and license different parts of the non-medical marijuana industry. These state agencies would have responsibilities similar to the ones they currently have for medical marijuana. The measure requires each licensing agency to charge fees that cover its marijuana regulatory costs. Under the measure, the system for tracking medical marijuana products that must be developed under current law would be expanded to include marijuana for non-medical use. The measure also creates the Marijuana Control Appeals Panel to hear appeals from individuals affected by a decision of the state's regulatory agencies. Decisions of the panel could be appealed to the courts. Local Regulation of Non-Medical Marijuana Businesses Under the measure, cities and counties could regulate non-medical marijuana businesses. For example, cities and counties could require non-medical marijuana businesses to obtain local licenses and restrict where they could be located. Cities and counties could also completely ban marijuana-related businesses. However, they could not ban the transportation of marijuana through their jurisdictions. Taxation of Marijuana The measure imposes new state taxes on growing and selling both medical and non-medical marijuana. As shown in Figure 3, the new tax on growing marijuana would be based on a dollar amount per ounce of marijuana, and the new excise tax would be based on the retail price of marijuana products sold. The measure would also affect sales tax revenue to the state and local governments in two ways. First, legalizing the sale of non-medical marijuana will result in new sales tax revenue. This would happen automatically, as generally products are subject to this tax under current law. Second, the sale of medical marijuana, which is currently subject to sales tax, is specifically exempted from that tax. The measure does not change local government's existing ability to place other taxes on medical marijuana and does not restrict their ability to tax non-medical marijuana. 
Beginning in 2020, the tax on growing marijuana would be adjusted annually for inflation. The measure also allows the State Board of Equalization to annually adjust the tax rate for marijuana leaves to reflect changes in the price of marijuana flowers relative to leaves. In addition, the measure allows the board to establish other categories of marijuana, such as frozen marijuana, for tax purposes and specifies that these categories would be taxed at their value relative to marijuana flowers. Figure 3. Taxation of Marijuana under Proposition 64. Type of tax, new state tax on growing. Type of marijuana taxed, both medical and non-medical. Rate. $9.25 per ounce of dried marijuana flowers and $2.75 per ounce of dried marijuana leaves. Type of tax, new state retail excise tax. Type of marijuana taxed, both medical and non-medical. Rate, 15% of retail price. Type of tax, existing state and local sales tax. Type of marijuana taxed, non-medical only. Rate, Rates vary across the state but average around 8%. Type of tax, existing and future local taxes. Type of marijuana taxed can apply to both medical and non-medical. Rate, subject to local government decisions. Allocation of certain state tax revenues. Revenues collected from the new state retail excise tax and the state tax on growing marijuana would be deposited in a new state account, the California Marijuana Tax Fund. Certain fines on businesses or individuals who violate regulations created by the measure would also be deposited into this fund. Monies in the fund would first be used to pay back certain state agencies for any marijuana regulatory costs not covered by license fees. A portion of the monies would then be allocated in specific dollar amounts for various purposes, as shown in Figure 4. All remaining revenues, the vast majority of monies deposited in the fund, would be allocated as follows. 60% for youth programs, including substance use disorder education, prevention, and treatment. 20% to clean up and prevent environmental damage resulting from the illegal growing of marijuana. 20% for 1. Programs designed to reduce driving under the influence of alcohol, marijuana, and other drugs, and 2. A grant program designed to reduce any potential negative impacts on public health or safety resulting from the measure. Figure 4, Proposition 64, allocates a portion of state revenues for specific purposes. Purpose. Grants for certain services such as job placement assistance and substance use disorder treatment in communities most affected by past drug policies. Annual funding, $10 million to $50 million. $10 million in 2018-2019, increasing by $10 million annually until 2022-2023 and $50 million each year thereafter. Duration, 2018 to 2019 and ongoing. Purpose, evaluate effects of the measure. Annual funding, $10 million. Duration, 2018 to 2019 through 2028 to 2029. Purpose, create and adopt methods to determine whether someone is driving while impaired, including by marijuana. Annual funding, $3 million. Duration, 
2018 to 2019 through 2022 to 2023. Purpose, study the risks and benefits of medical marijuana. Annual funding, $2 million. Duration, 2017 to 2018 and ongoing. Penalties for marijuana-related crimes. Change in penalties for future marijuana crimes. The measure changes state marijuana penalties. For example, possession of one ounce or less of marijuana is currently punishable by a $100 fine. Under the measure, such a crime committed by someone under the age of 18 would instead be punishable by a requirement to attend a drug education or counseling program and complete community service. In addition, selling marijuana for non-medical purposes is currently punishable by up to four years in state prison or county jail. Under the measure, selling marijuana without a license would be a crime generally punishable by up to six months in county jail and or a fine of up to $500. In addition, individuals engaging in any marijuana business activity without a license would be subject to a civil penalty of up to three times the amount of the license fee for each violation. While the measure changes penalties for many marijuana-related crimes, the penalties for driving a vehicle while under the impairment of marijuana would remain the same. The measure also requires the destruction, within two years, of criminal records for individuals arrested or convicted for certain marijuana-related offenses. Individuals previously convicted of marijuana crimes. Under the measure, individuals serving sentences for activities that are made legal or are subject to lesser penalties under the measure would be eligible for resentencing. For example, an offender serving a jail or prison term for growing or selling marijuana could have their sentence reduced. A court would not be required to resentence someone if it determined that the person was likely to commit certain severe crimes. Qualifying individuals would be resentenced to whatever punishment they would have received under the measure. Resentenced individuals currently in jail or prison would be subject to community supervision, such as probation, for up to one year following their release, unless a court removes that requirement. In addition, individuals who have completed sentences for crimes that are reduced by the measure could apply to the courts to have their criminal records changed. Fiscal Effects Fiscal effects subject to significant uncertainty. This measure would affect both costs and revenues for state and local governments. The size of these effects could vary significantly, depending primarily on three key factors. First, it would depend on how state and local governments chose to regulate and tax marijuana. For example, if many cities and counties banned marijuana businesses, the amount of revenue from taxes on marijuana would be less than without such bans. Second, it would depend on whether the USDOJ enforced federal laws prohibiting marijuana. For example, if the USDOJ chose to prosecute state-licensed marijuana businesses, there could be significantly reduced revenue from marijuana taxes. This analysis assumes the USDOJ will follow its current policy regarding enforcement of marijuana laws. Third, the fiscal effects would depend heavily on how marijuana prices and consumption change under the measure. This analysis assumes that the price of marijuana would decline significantly. This is primarily because, one, businesses would become more efficient at producing and distributing marijuana, and two, the price of marijuana would no longer be inflated to compensate for the risk of selling an illegal drug. 
This analysis also assumes that marijuana consumption would increase under the measure. This is primarily because of one, the reduced price, and two, the reduced legal risk for marijuana users. The actual effects on marijuana prices and consumption are unknown, as are the regulatory and enforcement actions of the state, federal, and local governments. As such, the potential cost and revenue impacts of this measure described below are subject to significant uncertainty. Effects on state and local costs Reduction in various criminal justice costs. The measure would result in reduced criminal justice costs for the state and local governments. This is primarily related to a decline in the number of offenders held in state prisons and county jails for growing and selling marijuana. The measure would also reduce the number of such offenders placed under community supervision, such as county probation. In addition, the measure would likely reduce other criminal justice costs, such as state court costs for the handling of related criminal cases. The above cost reductions would be partially offset by increased costs in several areas. In particular, the courts would incur costs to process applications from individuals seeking to be resentenced or have their criminal records changed. In addition, there would be costs to supervise re-sentenced offenders in the community. These various costs would be incurred largely within the first couple of years following the passage of the measure. In addition, there would be ongoing costs in a few areas. For example, there would be court costs to destroy records of arrest and conviction for individuals who commit certain marijuana-related crimes. In addition, there would be ongoing costs to operate drug education and counseling programs as required by the measure. There would also be some increased criminal justice costs, such as county jail and state court costs, to the extent that increased marijuana use leads to increased marijuana-related crime, such as driving while impaired by marijuana. In total, the net reduction in state and local criminal justice costs from the above changes could be in the tens of millions of dollars annually. In many cases, these resources would likely be redirected to other criminal justice activities. Effects on state and local health programs. The measure could also have various fiscal effects on state and local health programs as a result of increased marijuana use. For example, the measure could result in an increase in the number of individuals seeking publicly funded substance use treatment. Any additional costs for such services could be partially or entirely offset by additional funding that would be available for substance use treatment under the measure. Although research on the health effects of marijuana use is limited, there is some evidence that smoking marijuana has harmful effects. For example, marijuana smoke is among a list of substances identified by the state to cause cancer. To the extent that an increase in marijuana use negatively affects users' health, it would increase somewhat state and local health program costs. Increased state regulatory costs. The measure would also result in costs for the state to regulate non-medical marijuana businesses. These costs would vary depending on how the state chooses to regulate marijuana, but could amount to several tens of millions of dollars annually. Eventually, these costs would likely be entirely offset by license fees and tax revenues. Effects on state and local revenues. Tax revenues could reach $1 billion annually, but not right away. State and local governments would receive more revenues, including sales, excise, and income taxes from marijuana sales allowed under this measure. 
This increase in tax revenue would result primarily from, one, new state excise taxes on growing and selling marijuana, two, individuals switching from illegal purchases of marijuana made from individuals who do not pay all the taxes they owe, to legal purchases at businesses that collect and pay the taxes they owe, and three, an increase in consumption of marijuana. In addition, lower marijuana prices due to the measure may provide individuals using marijuana now with some savings. This could allow them to purchase other legal products that generate tax revenue. These revenue increases, however, would be partially offset by the loss of sales taxes now collected on medical marijuana sales, as the measure exempts such purchases from these taxes. In total, our best estimate is that the state and local governments could eventually collect net additional revenues ranging from the high hundreds of millions of dollars to over $1 billion annually. However, the revenues are likely to be significantly lower in the first several years following the passage of the measure. This is because it will take a couple of years for the state to issue licenses to marijuana businesses. In addition, it will likely take time for newly licensed businesses to set up efficient production and distribution systems. Prices in the legal market will likely fall as more legal businesses are licensed and as they become more efficient. As this occurs, more consumers will begin purchasing marijuana legally. It is unknown precisely how long this process will take, but it could be several years after the measure passes before revenues reach the range described above. As discussed earlier, the measure requires that most of these funds be spent on specified purposes. Additional local government revenues. The measure could result in additional revenues if local governments impose taxes on marijuana. The amount of additional revenues could vary significantly, depending primarily on how many local governments impose marijuana taxes and at what rates. These revenues could easily amount to tens of millions of dollars annually. Potential impact on local economies in marijuana-producing areas. Exports of marijuana currently contribute significantly to the economy in parts of Northern California, such as Humboldt, Mendocino, and Trinity counties. Precisely how this measure would affect these local economies is unknown. Lower marijuana prices and more opportunity for legal cultivation elsewhere could hurt the economy in these areas, reducing local government tax revenues. If, however, local growers and businesses successfully marketed their marijuana products as premium goods, consumers might be willing to pay above average prices for them. If that occurred, it could help offset some of the negative economic effects in those areas. Visit http colon two forward slashes www.sos.ca.gov forward slash m-e-a-s-u-r-e dash c-o-n-t-r-i-b-u-t-i-o-n-s for a list of committees primarily formed to support or oppose this measure. Visit http colon two forward slashes www.fppc.ca.gov forward slash T-R-A-N-S-P-A-R-E-N-C-Y forward slash T-O-P dash C-O-N-T-R-I-B-U-T-O-R-S forward slash N-O-V dash one six dash G-E-N dash V number two dot H-T-M-L to access the committee's top ten contributors. Well, wasn't that fun? You made it all the way through. Thanks for spliffing it with me, guys. This has definitely not been the funnest study group I ever had, but 
Our emergency safety meeting was definitely needed. Thanks for spliffing it. Ciao for now.